0: This is episode 42 of the Angry Tech News Podcast for Tuesday, November 8th, 2022. This is the Angry Tech News Podcast at angrytechnews.com. Now your host, the Angry Programmer with a mic, Brian Bemrose. Uh, another month, another Angry Tech News comes out on a Tuesday. At least I've got that part going for me, even if I'm a little shaky on which Tuesday it should be on. I tried to do this live a couple minutes ago, and as witnessed by those of you who happened to be on the stream at the time, I did not succeed. I fell victim to the bane of all live podcasters' audio routing. I promised to get it right next time, maybe, but I guess the angry cat is out of the bag. I'm going to try to do this show live when I record it as an incentive to myself to start releasing more often. I figure with an active troll room giving me crap, I'll quickly get over any of my podcasting hangups that are left that or I'll have a breakdown on air, but either way, it'll be entertaining. That's fine, though. I know you're all distracted by some silly voting thing going on today. Well, I can assure you, you'll get no political rants from me today on this show. I usually save that for my other show, Grumpy Old Ben's with Darren O'Neill, which we do Wednesdays consistently, in fact, and which has been absorbing up a lot of the more juicy of my tech stories of late. So, no politics today from me, I won't even tell you to go out and vote. I figure you'll do that if you want, you don't need yet another person telling you. Nope, nope, just some technology rants against my old nemesis, Silicon Valley. Enjoy! From the 12345 department, Fast Company experienced a massive data breach last month, which we later learned was caused by a reused password. The Fast Company app sent out, quote, offensive push notifications to people subscribed to their Apple News channel. Apple immediately disabled their channel in response, and then it took a long time to work everything out. The first problem was that they used the same password everywhere in the company. The second problem was that the password was pizza123, a perfectly easy to guess password. It's a dictionary word plus an obvious sequence of numbers. A password so easy to break that a hacker can brute force it faster than you can come up with a new one. As we know, once a password is breached, people will try that password everywhere that you might have an account, which is why you should never use the same password in multiple places too. So here's your quarterly reminder on password safety. Use a passphrase instead of a word because they're more difficult for a computer to guess, but just as easy for you to remember. Never reuse a password on more than one site. And if you can, for the love of all things security, use a password manager. (laughs) From the Old Ways Are Best department, Google is officially dropping support for Windows 7 and 8.1 from Chrome. To be honest, I'm not really sure what this means. What is it to support an OS is the central question here. Are they intentionally breaking compatibility, e.g. throwing an error in the installer, having the program self-shut down after a certain date? That would not be cool. Or are they just not testing their older OS? That's actually fine, I think. Microsoft fully dropped support for Windows 7 in 2020, and Windows 8.1 will become unsupported this coming January. Even Windows 10 is expected to get the big shutdown in 2025 as they push all users to their TPM-needy Windows 11 operating system. When Microsoft stops supporting a program, though, it means literally that. They're not going to support it. They're not going to expend any more engineering effort on the product. But in the last 10 to 15 years, I've seen a lot of software developers develop this type of paternalism toward their users we can't let customers use a product except exactly how we expect them to and for them not supporting a product actually means they want to expend engineering effort to actively prevent users from being able to use it anymore but for those few people who don't need the latest whiz online connectivity or the newest features and just need their system to continue working these computers are fine for those people's sake i hope dropping support google means the former but i don't know as one of those affected Windows 8 users who never moved to Windows 10 and is going to face the not supported in, in a couple months, I'm going to have to make that decision soon about where to take my computing from here. As always, I'm accepting suggestions at ryan@angrytechnews.com at about which Linux distro I should be moving to. I'd just like to not be forced into the switch by some snot-nosed software dev who thinks they understand my system better than I do. <laughs> From the who even wants this department in other Windows 11 news, Microsoft is rolling out its Windows subsystem for Android, adding Android emulation into Windows 11, giving users the powerful UI of mobile computing with the convenience and portability of a desktop PC. This has the potential to double or even triple the number of people interested in running the latest version of Windows. The subsystem or WSA, because Microsoft loves acronyms, makes available to Windows over 50,000 Android apps from the Amazon App Store. It does not currently integrate with the Google Play Store, presumably because Microsoft didn't want to comply with Google's onerous terms of service, which forbids competing app stores, restricts third-party advertising, garnishes 30% of the customers company's wages and income, and demands blood sacrifices from all of the executive firstborn children. From the latent hacking department... Security researchers at the University of Glasgow has developed a novel but somewhat obvious proof of concept attack on users passwords and pins performed by taking a picture of the keyboard with a thermal imaging camera. When you type a password or really you type anything, some of your body heat transfers to the keyboard. Thermal imaging cameras can detect spots of higher temperature with brighter spots indicating more recent keystrokes. An image taken shortly after a password or pin is entered can thus be used to reconstruct the word entered or at least narrow it down to a few possibilities. Obviously, there's some restrictions to the technique. Latent heat dissipates quickly, so the image must be taken within seconds of entering the password, and the technique can be defeated almost entirely by wearing gloves. Still, it's not hard to imagine thieves mounting such a camera pointed at an ATM keypad and stealing pins from those sneaky security-minded users who block the keypad with their body. This is yet another reason to be paranoid of technology out in the world, I foresee a future in which ATM users cover themselves in mud to escape hackers' predator vision. From the Not a Self Driving Car Crash Department Theme park roller coaster operators have started putting up warnings not to take your cell phone on their roller coaster, or at least to turn it off or put it into airplane mode. Why might this be? Is it because Zoomers with a strong urge to take selfies, but a weak grip are flinging their phones off the rides left and right? Well, yeah, that's happening too, but no, that's not the reason. It's because of a feature in Apple's iPhone 14 called Crash Detection. The feature, which debuted in Apple's latest phone and their latest line of Apple Watch, uses the accelerometer to detect violent jerking motions consistent with a car crash. If it detects one, it pops up a screen that says, It looks like you've been in a crash! And if you don't dismiss that screen on time, the phone places an emergency 911 call on your behalf, sending an automated distress call along with your location. As one might predict, 911 operators have been receiving spurious emergency calls from roller coasters as their watch or phone detects the violent acceleration and decides that it has been in a crash, then places the call because the user is too busy enjoying the ride to respond to or even hear the notification. from the what's shaken department in a similar accelerometer story engineers in google's android division are patting themselves on the back after the operating system successfully detected last month's san jose earthquake this is due to a feature in the android os called earthquake detection using the accelerometer whenever your phone detects earthquake-like shaking it sends that data along with your gps location to a cloud server at google hq If Google receives enough such reports in the same area in a small amount of time, it decides there's an earthquake in progress and sends out a notification to all Android phones in the region. The idea here is that earthquake waves generally travel a couple miles per second, much, much slower than phone signals, which are more or less instantaneous over a regional area. So if you can quickly detect and identify an earthquake near the epicenter, you can give people farther away a few seconds of warning, enough to get into a doorway or under a table. Putting aside how incredibly creepy it is that your GPS is being reported to a Google database every time you pick up or shake your phone, this is a legitimately cool use of the technology. Thousands of phones deployed over a region, each with an accelerometer reporting shaking events, is a seismologist's dream, and the technology has the real possibility of saving lives in the event of an actual big earthquake. Not so much the 5.1 earthquake last month in San Jose, but... Some users did report getting the notification up to 10 seconds before they felt the shaking, which is a proof of concept for the technology. And as Google was quick to point out, that was at least 10 seconds faster than Apple's equivalent technology built into iPhones, which sent out notifications only after the earthquake had already passed people by. But the way I see it, the real challenge here is, as with all big Silicon Valley technology, is the challenge is not technological. It's trusting the data to Google, a company with a proven history of collecting and collating data and selling your privacy off to the highest bidder. There's a tech news story every single week of some Silicon Valley company's database being used in ways wildly contrary to what was promised when the data was collected, sometimes by hackers and sometimes by the unscrupulous company themselves. And there's the rub, at least for me. I want technology like this in the world, that, that things that can make life better. But the current stewards of our technology, the current people who control all the databases, have proven time and time again that they are not on the side of users. They repeatedly do things for personal gain, corporate profit, woke ideology, or to push the political goals of their billionaire CEO's pet political party, but not for the betterment of humanity. Oh well, maybe next technological revolution, eh? thanks to Brian Janak, Baron Spud the Mighty, Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley, Brennan Kidwell, Raymond Zorger, Steve Edwards, Cur- Curtis Peterson, Rachel Zimmerman, Christopher Reamer, and Sharky for their continuing support of this show. And to everybody who's boosted Satoshi's using a new podcast app, including Marianne, Steed and at least three other people whose names and amounts seems to have escaped me over multiple reboots and software patches. No matter how many times I mess with my node, I haven't been able to break it yet. But for some reason, I'm having a lot of trouble getting data out of it. Knock on wood. Angry Tech News is produced on the value for value model. We don't take sponsors, we don't t- play ads, and we don't charge you to listen, but we are funded by your donations. If you received some value from listening to this show, please send some value back. Go to AngryTechNews.com and click the donate button. Send what you think that this episode was worth to you, whether it's $10, $100, or $10,000. Haven't received that one yet. But that's it for now. I'm Ryan Bemrose, the angry programmer with a mic. I'll be back next time with more Angry Tech News. This has been Angry Tech News with the angry programmer, Ryan Bemrose at angrytechnews.com Stay angry, stay angry, stay angry.